Aloha Maui. Hello, this is Josh Porter. Jason Burkhart. And Brian Thomas. Welcome to the Solar Coaster, episode 146. We are actually still doing Vegas. Still doing Vegas, CES. <laughs> Never <laughs> It ends. just keeps coming. There's so much going on out there. There's actually uh, two, two different shows, two different interviews, rather, that we're going to be able to cover today. Uh, both of them very interesting. I couldn't even really establish a tenuous link between the two of them to give it like a theme for the show. But uh, one of them is Ingenuity, uh, Ingenuity Power Systems. Check them out online. Very interesting completely different approach. These guys actually have a little engine. They're engine guys, and they 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 uh, they run this engine via uh, and they power a, a battery. But the ba- it's used for you know energy resiliency, right? Uh, very interesting stuff. Completely different approach. Uh, super hyper efficient little engine, and then uh, Cake, and Cake is actually an electric motorcycle manufacturer out of Scandinavia, I believe somewhere, and uh, really nice guys. A lot of fun. Very cool. Almost like the IKEA. Of electric bikes, scooters, motorcycles, yeah, yeah, I dirt hes- bikes. I hesitate. I hesitate to call you them motorcycle. It? I mean, zero is like a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, cake, 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 cake is is a a, a light transport duty bicycle sure. that has power assist. <laughs> sure, and they got all these kind of modular attachments, so you can do different things with it. Um, and they were just had a cool display. It, it was they're they're a fun group of people. They love Hawaii, so they were all into that, you know. They're like, yeah, give me an excuse to come to Hawaii, guys. Okay, great. So, cake and ingenuity. We'll hear from those guys shortly. Uh, should be a lot of fun. And uh, you guys ready to get into it? Let's do it. Absolutely. All righty. Hey, folks, this is The Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. can be found Fridays at 1.05 p.m. on Ko'oi, 1110 a.m. Also, some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. www.solar-coaster.com is where you can listen live. If you're not in Hawaii right now, uh, you can go back and listen to all our old shows. Uh, Click the YouTube link and check out all these extra Vegas shows. We've got we've got so many of them that we have have and probably will never get to on the radio. So uh, go and check out that on the YouTube. And of course, we are carried on podcast networks, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart, and a whole bunch of others all carry the solar coaster. Got some great sponsors out there. Fairwinds Wealth Management. Thank you, Brian Thomas in the studio today. Uh, we also have EnduroShield and Perfectly Clear Glass. These are two companies, EnduroShields out of Australia. Perfectly Clear Glass is uh, Gary Dolberg here in Maui. Uh, and this is a really interesting company with coatings uh, for not only glass, but for solar panels, which is why he's engaged with the solar coaster. And a lot of neat things are happening with uh, for Gary right now in this industry, talking to a lot of the big boys, learning about these systems, getting these tests in, showing the, the viability of this uh, coding and what type of impact that has very excited to see how are how are yours looking so far i'll tell you what i look at them every day i look at them every day i know that's why i'm asking (laughs) they 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 look noticeably different so So i can i can see it for sure it's really easy to see i I don't have them functioning presently so i'm not able to you start to look at the the numbers right um but it's very interesting to, to it's going to be exciting to map out if there's an if there's a return on investment over what time frame and because it's a very simple procedure, right? Right. So if it can make an, mm-hmm. a, a su- substantial impact on, you know, limiting uh, the soil duration factor, limiting the amount of, of, of things that inhibit the photons from getting to the, to the silicon, then, uh, you know, it's, it's a great Dirty panel. Yeah. yeah. Get to keep them clean. <laughs> they keep them clean. If it keeps them cleaner, then that's going to be a great thing. Uh, very excited about that. Also have Sundrum Solar. Uh, Pantech Design and a bunch of other great companies and very shortly we uh, will have Solar Edge involved too. Uh, so let us uh, jump over uh, to our news and events. All right, right away, the first thing I want to talk about, and this is the thing that everybody else is talking about as well, is, of course, the coronavirus issues. Um, why, why does that matter on a solar talk show? Well, um, it, it all comes down to being able to get product. So much of what we use in not just solar, but all industries is manufactured in China or components are main manufactured in China. And it's, it's, there's rumors in the world of, of a financial crisis really hinging on how this, this whole coronavirus, um, issue plays out. Um, I, 
as some people know, I'm, I'm, I'm back and forth to Japan constantly. I'm actually in Asia right now. Um, and I also run a small manufacturing company and I'm seeing this. I mean, it's, it's part of it. It's, it's really, really difficult to navigate right now um, because there was also the Chinese New Year. Uh, it was 25th of January, I believe, and they do shut down for a good long so time as have they have their New anyway, Year, the, right? the lunar, the lunar New Year festivals, uh, has a significant impact on the supply chain every single year. But that's a known thing. We, it's on the calendar. <laughs> we know it's coming, and we plan for it. Um, but I'm, I've, I've got orders out for, for products and and components that that haven't arrived yet, and now it's it's closing in on two months that it, it they're just not responding in the, in the expedient way that I'm used to. And so it's concerning for a lot of people. Um, Forbes articles are now starting to starting to pick this up. The coronavirus is poised to disrupt solar and battery. And it goes on and on to talk about all these other financial crises that we've been through in recent years and the reason why um, this is, is potentially bad. But we've got um, even even just a 10 percent drop would 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 was it the 26 gigawatt of of panels and and equipment would be affected if it's just a 10 percent drop in in the chinese economy and and right right now we don't know but it's but it's a scary issue 26 it says gigawatt hours that's interesting so gigawatt 10, hour yeah 10 percent would be 26 gigawatt hours hmm, wow uh yeah i mean it's uh you know the the this is on forbes.com uh if you want to check this article out coronavirus is poised to disrupt solar and battery storage sectors you know one of the things i, I have to admit i have started to keep an eye on what's going on throughout asia watching some of the different interviews and i'm excited to have our own correspondent in japan right now uh to talk to us about his experience <laughs> are you seeing anything uh to have for the solar coaster have its own asian correspondent it's pretty exciting uh to are you seeing anything any kind of like noticeable sh uh you said your your packages are arriving a little later than you expected are you starting to be able to kind of like are, are you expecting that are you put are, are you putting that into your your plan for the next few months well, I, I didn't expect it. I am starting to like kind of stockpile components that I'm going to need over the next six months, uh, which is which is a thing. But of course, if I, if you make orders now, it's going to be much later. Even I mean, it's we're we're all reactionary at this point. We didn't really foresee this kind of issue. I did have some stuff on site already uh, because of the Lunar New Year. I mean, I, like I said, we know that one's coming. Um, but but just locally, I mean, you see a lot of of really interesting things going on. There's there's a a marked decrease in the the typical uh, influenza, mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the regular flu, uh, simply because people are being so conscientious. I, I want to say close to six. 60 to 70 percent people are on the street are all wearing masks right. all the time now. Um, I had to line up at the drugstore a couple of days ago uh, because th there's a run on the masks every mm. single morning. They they only have a couple of cases coming in because there's limited supply. Everybody lines up. You get a number, <laughs> and Whoa. if you're and if you're too late in the too late in the morning, you don't get any. So um, so th there's it's a significant run on that, um, and of course there's a lot of of, of actual uh, Chinese tourists coming through this part of Osaka as well, and they're all taking those and going back to China with them because there are none available there. I wonder what this means in terms of, you know, specific components and what could be more impacted in the industry. Are we talking about modules? Are we talking about racking? Are we talking about inverters? Or is it across it goes the board? Down, it goes down to component level. What I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for capacitors and resistors and simple electronics components like that, that it, it, if you don't have them, you cannot produce the boards that I go see. inside to I control see. the batteries even. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> without those components, you really can't manufacture anything. And, wow. and yeah, and this is just one industry. But if you if you look at all industries, mm -hmm. at a global scale, the entire uh, the entire manufacturing industry has shifted to just in time, right? And so right. you started getting delays in mm -hmm. one component, and it it manifests itself in sort of an exponentially decaying manner, you know. And if you look, yeah, at, it's just a domino. It, Right. If you, and if you look so at, we're on the beginning of that, you think? Well, we're just starting. Yeah, you know. And if you look at, uh, I mean, Chris Martinson has one of is one of the better people talking about coronavirus and uh, sort of the numbers and the asymptomatic transmission and right. are not and all the transmitting it without factors. being without showing symptoms. Yeah. Right. In and like in the incubation uh, stage, uh, you know, certain governments are not as trustworthy as other governments. And if if a country doesn't even have the ability to test for it, and they're not testing for it, you know. 
uh, their numbers aren't accurate, right? So well, the um, and the and the tests are still based on antibodies, which means your body needs to recognize it and fight it for a certain period of time. You could be you could be um, contagious for a long time before that happens. So your yep. test would come back negative, and you would still be contagious. Right, in and that's the population. why that's why this is tricky uh, via the you can transmit it without showing signs and symptoms. So. Uh, Wow. Uh, and, and it's and I mean, so this is occurring uh, from the financial side. This is occurring when we've got record levels of debt. Right. And so we've got also <laughs> the central banks pumping money to kind of spur growth and keep things going. Mm. And it's it's occurring when China was already slowing down a little bit. Right. Via the tariffs and just a general slowdown. And sure. you start to look at some of the uh, knock on effects of this. And um you know, managing risk, the markets are still record highs, right? So mm. it's like the market is moving in a different manner than sort of the decoupling that could be occurring. Anyways, it's a very interesting time, but it's time to pay attention, though. I'll tell you that much. Right, right. Okay, well, uh, yeah, geez, a lot here, huh? The um, Jay, uh, be safe out there, okay? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I wash my hands about 100 times a day. <laughs> okay. And, and, and that was before the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Jay, you ready to jump into this uh, the Hill, the Democratic um, uh, article? All right. So let's so let's go political. We, we keep saying we try not to be politically active too much, or at least divisive. Um, but but there's some really st interesting stuff going on. There was a, the lengthy uh, Democratic debate uh, over climate change uh, just the other night. Um, I actually didn't get to watch it because I'm here. I. I, I catch the national news, but I didn't get to see it itself. But there's some really interesting comments in here. And the one that caught me out was, um, I think it was Buttigieg that said, um, let's be real about the deadlines here. We're talking, we're talking about climate change. Um, it's not the 2050 deadline that, that are part of the Paris Accords. It's not 2040 or 2045 like ours. It's not even 2030. It's, it's now. It's 2020. Because if we don't elect a president who actually believes in climate science, we'll never meet any of the scientific or policy deadlines we need to and i absolutely agree with that statement <laughs> yeah it's, we need it's, we need we need to we need to decide what we're doing now because it's going to take us that 10 years just to get close we need to be on a track i know you were uh you, you've been kind of waiting for for this this conversation to erupt in the uh in, in the election <laughs> cycle right yeah. it's been your thing so and then of course seeing that uh one of the candidates kind of put it Simply to the point, and he said, "Hey, this is a priority right now." That that at least is a little bit of a relief. Uh, but I didn't get anything else here that really excited me. I mean, uh, Brian, what do you think? Well, I mean, you got Bernie calling for uh, a a bill that calls for a ban on fracking, both oil and gas. Gosh, that's such a, it's a concern. Yeah, it's a it's a. What I understand, you know, like yeah. the the market's phasing that out just because of the cost. Yeah, of isn't, isn't that isn't that like three years ago? <laughs> yeah, it's just like. I mean, that's a big sector just well, to take out, right? it's a transitionary fuel, right? It's, it gets us from oil to Look, okay, that's something, right? yeah, that's something so, a lot of people talk about is yeah, transitionary and, and you, fuel. And I, and I read a piece in this, and I, I just I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I read a piece over the, uh, over the week, and it said that our uh, greenhouse gas emissions were down simply because of the major shift to use of natural gas. And so if that's the case, and if natural gas is doing that job, of course, there's major concerns about fracking and about the impact on you know, sure. local communities, without a doubt, for yeah. sure. But if that's, if, I mean, these are these are huge moves, right? Yeah, these are dramatic and, moves. And we need help to get to a 100% uh, renewable energy future. I mean, even to say 100% is a huge thing from a national level or from a global level. It's, not, it's hard to even imagine what that would look like. But I mean, I think one of the things that Jay and I picked up throughout the last few years of this show was that there's no silver bullet. Yeah. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking with um, with uh, groups of people that were involved with nuclear, both fission and fusion, as well as small modular reactors, and learned a lot about the role that has to play in this in this conversation, as well as, of course, all the renewables that we want to see deployed. So, but uh, natural gas has a has a really important role here. So to see this idea of it being phased out, I'm like, I don't know about that. And, and you know, with all the fracking that has come on, and natural gas prices have just fallen to the floor. Solar is still cheaper. Mm. Right, but the the sun's only out in the daytime. Yeah, but but the marketplace is doing a fantastic job at letting renewables show how effective they are, letting them come onto the scene, showing it's the number one performing sector last year in the stock market. We talked about that a little bit. 
So here's the question. No. And I, I see that 100%, right? You, you have the all this movement with the ETFs that we've been talking about for the last few months. But does a, some of these ideas about nationalizing the power grid and bringing on you know, the government and getting them involved, in, is it going to speed things up or is it going to go a different direction, Brian Thomas? What do you think? Well, I mean, I think you know my answer. I mean... <laughs> Seriously, because that's what that's part of this conversation. The Green New Deal, we we, we know we we attempted to read that, and it was uh, you know that was a big part of the conversation, right? It was about how to um, how to make major shifts nationally. You, you got to give the government and the politicians some credit for having the delusional optimism that <laughs> they think that, that they think they can solve problems. <laughs> like they're they they come in after the fact to try and remedy stuff, and by then it's already too late. We've already moved past it, you know. But I mean, it's good to address it. But to think that the government's going to come in and solve all the problems is kind of ludicrous. Right. And is, yeah, I mean, are they needed? Of course they're needed. Right. And they're needed more. They should be regulating industries better than they're regulating industries. But they're really good at doing that. And you want them to solve national energy problems? <laughs> Okay, Jeez. so this is on the Hill. Uh, the that's, Hill.com. That's, that's not that's not going to happen. The, the, the one I do want to revisit the national gas, natural gas, yeah, uh, national gas. That'd be interesting. Uh, the natural gas. gas conversation for yeah. a second, um, just because it's the time frames involved. You know, you, you talk about getting natural gas online. It's it's less uh, carbon offensive, <laughs> if you want to say that. Um, but it's it's those that it's the stranded asset conversation. When we're looking at 20, take 20 years, uh, we're going to be in 2040, right? And it's not enough time for them to recoup the cost of building out and rolling out a natural gas infrastructure. But we're asking them to build it and then draw it down again by 2040. And that, I mean, the math just doesn't work. So is it more cost effective to leapfrog natural gas completely and just go straight solar, wind, and whatever um, right now, um, I, I believe so. Well, the natural gas infrastructure is in place for the most part. I mean, no. Tell me, are you talking about? We don't. L have, we, don't, we, don't we don't. We don't. We don't have any. Are you, about, are you talking about LNG? No, not Hawaii, but I mean, on the mainland. Yeah. But I mean, are you talking about building L yeah, LNG terminals? Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, some of those LNG terminals yeah, are still. Yeah, I mean that's exporting though. Those are that's for exporting natural gas, right? And to Asia, which has, we mm, we we are rich. Not, yeah, not really. I mean, we start we start talking talking about using it for shipping and stuff like that, and it's, it it's absolutely needs to be, not I mean not not shipping it around, but actually using it as the fuel for transportation. Um, it does that doesn't exist. So you would be able to to offset all that that dirty bunker fuel that the the diesel ships power themselves on um, those types of conversations. But none of that stuff exists at all. Today. Yeah. Not just, make it I think shipping, there needs right? to be some kind of a, a fact check sheet or some kind of a quick cheat sheet for being able to talk about energy. If these guys are going to open their mouths on stage and start talking about how they're going to fix you know, climate change, there has to be some facts involved because it's such an area that it's so easily you can so easily get lost in it. Like, it's just, and, there's no way. And, and yeah, the, the yeah actual, we do every week. Well, yeah, well. We're available the hill if you'd like to bring us to some of these debates. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, in any case, finally, they're discussing it. It's going to be a, a hot button issue. It'll be really interesting to see. Uh, last week, we talked about the was it the trillion tree uh, uh, idea that was getting mm -hmm. support from the Republicans, right? That's uh, yep. so we're starting to see this become an issue on both sides of the debate, uh, and I guess it's all, everyone has to make it a, a part of their 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 uh, platform. Right, it's, no it, it. it's good that we're throwing ideas around, and like you said, if we were to, I mean, the 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 whole farce of having a debate and just these couple second sound bites, you know, without ever going deep into a topic and hashing it out, mm. um, it doesn't do the process that good, in my opinion. But oh, I'd love to get some of these guys on here. How fun would that be? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So Jay, we got time for another uh, another <laughs> one, one. One one final national. <laughs> I would have um, a a PD magazine article. Um, put out by our um, our good friend, um, John Weaver. Uh, Rocky Mountain Power, oh, a yes. Warren Buffett-owned utility, is again seeking to kill off residential solar. He's got his, he, he does make his inflammatory <laughs> clickbait titles 
<laughs> really, really, and he's got really this picture obvious. of Warren. Um, and he's looking all sly. It's with like a big, fox, yeah, yeah. Big, big smirk. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but they there looks like it looks like that they're reaching the end of their um, their NEM era, right? Uh, Rocky Mountain Power is just going to reduce the current tariff uh, for net metered solar from nine point two cents to roughly about two cents a kilowatt hour. I mean, this this is not surprising at all in my mind, and I and I kind of want to call John out on it. Don't don't. Don't make the clickbaity stuff, uh, because it, because realistically they're paying um, Rocky Mountain is uh, somewhere between one and three point eight cents. I think it was. I went I went through their catalog. Um, they're they're paying that much from uh, PPA large solar installations, right? They're, they're now able to get solar cheaply, and this policy of of paying full retail NEM rates uh, to residential solar it was the, it was there to jumpstart the industry it's it's not really required anymore and there's so many better benefits than simply the monetary payback mm. from having solar on your home that it, it just it doesn't make sense and it's unsustainable for the for the utility so i i, I absolutely understand why they're doing it and and that it, the fact that nem has lasted this long <laughs> it's actually impressive. So the 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 rates in Utah, and we were just there uh, in Salt Lake, uh, mm-hmm. and, and Rocky Mountain Power, yeah. you know, did was part party to the uh, Soleil Lofts virtual power plant. So they're doing some really progressive yep. things out there. Now the thing that's interesting about this, I think, is that utility charges on the retail rate for ten cents to fourteen cents, right? So it's about uh, less than a half to maybe a third of a cost out here. So these rates they sound a lot different. Like the, the gap between these sounds huge, but it's actually you know it's not as big a difference. But they're there's value out here for NEM. If, if you ask me, there's value for NEM in a, in, in utility scale world beyond what the what the electric uh, utility pays to these big uh, solar farms. I think you're first of all, you don't have the transmission costs. You don't have they don't you know these the solar systems are being that energy that's being fed back to the grid is on the grid edge. It's being consumed right there by the. Um, by the community members around around the house that has that solar, right? So there's value in that. There's value. I think there's a discussion here about you know maintaining some strong rates in them. That's my in, in my world, Jay. I think so. Are these a uh, question for you guys? Uh, so are they changing the the deals of the PPA, or is this just for new systems that come online? Oh, you mean is it retroactive? Yeah. Did it say that, Jay? I don't think it's retroactive. Is it? No, it's not. No, it's not. It's just new. It's just new accounts. New stuff. Okay. So the PPs that are existing are going to stand. Yeah. I wonder what happens to your return on investment when you put in and you get two cents a kilowatt hour for back. And so it's like nothing, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's 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 not a lot. But I mean, that at that point, you're in the self-consumption world, right? I mean, that and that's that's pretty much where we're going. Um, and, and from the utility perspective, uh, a residential customer who puts solar on and goes full self-consumption is is not a good thing they they still mean to need to maintain all the lines and the transformers and the connection and everything else but they're not making any money on your account anymore you know i thought was neat about this article (laughs) i agree with that jay but that that it's that sentence that you brought up this type of action aggressively attacking the value paid to individuals exporting electricity to power grid is a Buffett marching order to combat a potentially existential threat, the death spiral. <laughs> so, dun, 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 yeah. He's yeah. saying, don't put it on your house because uh, I don't want to have the death spiral. What's the death spiral, Jay? Well, that's the utility <laughs> paying a whole lot for to, to maintain all these transmission lines and yet not making any money off their customers. Right, so they need to <laughs> Not getting any reven- revenue off their customers, not even making money. They need There's to save no, viable. no income. Viable, yeah, right? they need to stay viable. So, and, and that's what I'm saying is that, that there's a lot of places where NEM, I mean, that the, the old policies, the old rates, uh, can't. It's not sustainable. There you go. We talk about sustainability. That's not sustainable. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we got about a minute or so left. Uh, Brian, uh, any thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about uh, Buffett in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, afterwards, but I mean, you know, he, he's he's. Uh, well, let's jump into that now. Uh, okay, well, let me get to it. So, so this is an article about Warren Buffett with his uh, Utah stuff. But then, if you look at the Forbes article, uh, let me just get it up real quick here. He talks about sort of the NV, um, his firm and NV. Let me just pull it up here. Stephen McBride, and is the author. But it says Warren Buffett has started the biggest energy revolution. I mean, he's he. I don't know if he started it. But it's already, I think it's already underway. He's just investing in it pretty heavily. Uh, but it, this article talked about. And what Josh and Jay had me on at the third quarter of last year, talking about ETFs, exchange-traded fund, trades like a mutual fund on the exchange. The number one performing ETF was 51%, and it was TAN, ticker symbol TAN. That was a basket of solar stocks. 
This is not a recommendation, but uh, it was the number one sector in the United States and by definition the world because the U.S. was the leading stock market. But talked about how his he struck a big deal um, with this Nevada. Uh, it talked about how uh, Obama put $150 million towards solar. A lot of those companies like First Solar were up 1,000% in less than two years. And all those solar stocks came down about 90%, right? And so this second wave of solar is starting to take effect. And solar industry has marched on. The second a, wave is the, the utility scale or the second wave is the ETFs? or what, what The second mean? wave of sort of solar with storage mm. and the cost oh, and the cost being less than coal, far less than coal, and then less than natural gas. So, you know, it's like the think about the, the second rat gets the cheese, right? And so the, uh. the first rat has his head caught in the trap. But, uh, <laughs> but this new wave of renewable energy is economically making sense, and then money is flowing into it along with a mandate and an allocation by investment managers to allocate sort of in an ESG manner, environmental, social, and governance. Got it. So you got guys like Warren Buffett out there that are leading the charge. The Oracle of Omaha, I believe, is his uh, his moniker. And uh, but people, the, uh, regular everyday Joes like me can get involved too. And how can, how can I do that? Well, uh, so good question, Josh. Uh, we're having an event at the Maui Country Club. If somebody wants to come to it, it's a talk story about how to invest in ESG, but also how to manage risk. These stocks are very extended. If you pull up a chart, I would not be jumping into them. This is not investment advice. Past performance is not indicative of future gains, <laughs> but. Uh, the renewable energy and 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 solar stocks, it's real, it's tangible, it's good stuff. All right. Thank you, Brian. How can people reach you? What's your phone number? Uh, 808-873-3247 or info at fairwindswealth.com. We'll give that again at the after the end of our uh, commercials and our interviews. Let's head over to our commercials, come back with Cake. EnduroShield glass protection is the cost-effective way to help protect your PV investment reduce cleaning needs, and help maximize power production. EnduroShield prevents etching, helps reduce soiling and debris buildup. At only two molecules thick, EnduroShield is optically clear, UV transparent. A one-time application provides up to 10 years of durability. To learn more about the coating, visit EnduroShield.com solar. You can request factory application or on-site by certified technicians like the team at Perfectly Clear. In Hawaii and for on-site applications in Western U.S., visit PerfectlyClear.glass or call Gary at 808-280-9422. That's 808-280-9422. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. All right, so I'm here with Stefan. I'm going to ask you to pronounce your last name. Uh, Utterborn. Stefan Utterborn of Cake. Now, Cake was actually on my radar. Believe it or not, I, I definitely was thinking about Cake. And I'm not quite sure. I mentioned it to Garen, who is kindly holding the camera for us right now. I mentioned it to him when I walked by. I, 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 because and it's not so surprising. We do a renewable energy theme talk show in Maui, Hawaii. And we focus on EVs and bikes. I myself got a couple of, uh, of, 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 of electric bikes as soon as they came out. Had a lot of fun with them. You know, fell off them a couple times, hurt myself a couple times. Enjoyed the experience, though. Uh, I was telling Garen that, uh, uh, you know, that one of the things that I noticed about getting those bikes early on, about three, four years ago, my friends would come up and say, oh, Josh, you're so lazy. What are you doing getting an electric bike? And then they would ride it, and they would say, where can I buy this? immediately like they love that concept of what it is but cake is a lot bigger idea why don't you tell us a little bit about your company your background what it's all about so basically you know i'm a gravity sports guy so i'm not a moto freak in any ways i'm i'm you know i'm the kind of guy who get annoyed when there's a ducati passing by in the streets and i i'm like get out of here but when the when i first encountered an electric motorbike six or seven years ago i was like hmm this is really interesting because 
this, you know, the way I say it, will flip the market upside down when it comes to, 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 to the motorcycle in space. And I started buying, so I got 16 or 17 electric motorbikes just to figure out what's working and what's not working. And I had hundreds of friends riding these. And at the time, I was run, you know, uh, running a company named POC that I founded back in 2005 or something, doing protection for skiing and cycling and whatever. And I had no intention initially to get into this business. But curious, trying these bikes, I can say there were two main points that made me get into this for real. Uh, I had world champion motocross guys getting back to me, having tried these bikes, saying that hey, stuff and it's, it's amazing. It's more like surfing or skiing powder in the woods without the need for slope or snow. But the most convincing aspect was when I had young women on these bikes uh, for the first time, never ever having been on a motorbike before, helmets on, goggles on, boots on, idling away really slowly, and then getting back to me after 20 minutes at high speed, sliding in front of me saying, hey, Stefan, this is the most amazing thing I've done in my life. And I realized that this is including, it's easy to ride, it's sustainable, it doesn't disturb, there's no, there's no noise, and it actually promotes a totally new experience in terms of riding motorbikes. We speak internally about what we're doing, that it's more Patagonia than Kawasaki. And based out of that, and with what I had in terms of the number of motorcycles, I figured that there were some things that I learned and I think that we understood that we should be doing and went in there and started developing our first you know, model, which is the Calc bike over here. There's a lot there. There's a lot there in what you just said. I mean, uh, I'm, you know, from, a, from an energy perspective, uh, we, we start thinking about these electri electrically powered uh, uh, cars, buses, bikes, uh, bicycles, and then we think, oh, well, it's a great uh, opportunity to save energy and then limit our GHG spend, our greenhouse gas spend, but then what we don't always realize is this impact it has on our lives, and how you just described performance gains for professionals, and then it's inclusive for everyone to be able to get something new and kind of enjoyable that they probably might not have done before in a regular motorcycle. I totally get it. I'm hearing this kind of theme echoed throughout technology kind of companies right now. Well, tell me a little bit about um, so about your product line and what you have what you have on, on display here. Yeah, yeah, basically, I think we should be starting to to you know from from there to the left, which is okay. basically the first. Uh, should we be, be moving? Yeah. I'll just follow you. Yeah. So. This is our first bike. It was shown as a prototype a year and a half ago, and we actually brought it to the market in serious production from March. It's the Calc OR, and what this is, is basically a high-performance electric off-road motorbike. So uh, what I learned by trying you know, the 16 or 17 bikes I got from the beginning was that there were two categories in the market. There were the traditional combustion engine geeks, what they were doing, you know, getting into electric, they, they just swapped drivetrains from combustion to electric. Same, you know, same kinematics, same weight, same angles and everything. But what really inspired me was all of these small garage brands building hybrids using mountain bike stuff and motorbike stuff, welding that together and bringing something new. But it wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't last like 15 minutes on a trail and it just all broke down. The bike's parts were too weak and the motorcycle parts were too heavy. So based on that, we started this project with developing something from scratch. And this bike only has three standard parts, rubber handles, brake levers, and foot pegs. Everything else, every tube has been specifically you know, extruded. Hubs, rims, spokes, even the tires are specifically developed to, to, you know, to leave a smaller footprint while out riding the trails. So it's a 68 kilo, so about 150 pound motorbike, and an equivalent combustion engine bike would be twice that same weight. So it's something that is super light in its appearance, and that's all about promoting the character of the electric drivetrain and building a vessel around the electric drivetrain rather than just swapping you know, drivetrains. And again, there's a reason why a combustion engine bike looks the way it does, because the combustion engine itself has its specific size, volume, weight, and so forth. So again, that's how we got started, and that's the first one. Then looking at the next one here, that's the street version, so this one is certified for street use in America and Europe. And uh, the idea behind this is to have a fun, you know, uh, off-road vehicle that you can use, you know, during weekends or vacations or whatever, as, at the same time, you know, using it as a perfect, you know, transportation device to get from work and home again, uh, to work and back home again. Uh, 
Just commenting, which is interesting, we did our first race with uh, combustion engine bikes in an enduro race 12 weeks ago. There were 118 participants. It, it was like Scandinavian elite. We ended up in fifth place. So it, it does, you know, it flies like hell. You can see from the pictures here that they're doing flips and jumping 30 meters and whatever. Well, just, if I may, for a moment, yeah. it, so you have a, a power to weight advantage. Yes. Were, were you racing against internal combustion engines? Yes, yes, they were. So again, to be clear about that specific race, it's a power to, you know, weight ratio concept from the beginning. We define what we're doing as light, quiet and clean. And in this case, uh, we went into the first race and we were the only electric bike. So they were all 250s and 450s, KTMs and Yamahas and so forth. And I can tell you, the guys that didn't know about us and didn't have a clue about what this you know, actually was, they were shaking their heads before that race. And I can tell you, they were dead silent after the race. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's take a look at some of the other bikes. So then we went into this next concept. So if this is the, the, you know, the, the, the performance experience uh, kind of bike uh, itself for you know being out there having fun. The next one is about getting from point A to p point B. Okay, this one over here. Yeah, it's the Airstar. The thing with this one is 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 more about getting to the point of activity. So whether you'd be a professional, a carpenter, or a gardener, or whatever, you bring your stuff, and it's actually more of a mobile powertrain than a, an electric vehicle. So aside from just driving or, 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 or running the, the actual motorbike, that battery itself can actually uh, both charge and run your power tools, for instance. So you can bring your, you know, anything from a chainsaw to a, you know, drilling machine or whatever so it might be. Yeah. So you, you, yes, you can build, you know, a house in the middle of nowhere, or if you're, you know, a, a rock band, you can bring your Marshall stack and do a concert off the grid. This is actually a really uh, key point that I'm seeing uh, a lot in conversation right now. Yeah. Last week's radio show we did with a company called Electric Hybrid, which is an MIT-based uh, 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 F-150, F-250 retrofit technology, yeah. and they, they were saying the next stage was to be able to incorporate more robust uh, systems for yeah. all the tools yeah. that, that the fleet operators yeah, yeah. use. Yeah. So a very similar theme. Yeah. Uh, and then what is the battery type you have and what is the capability or the overall so specs? It's, it's, it's a, um, you know, it's a 2.6 kilowatt hour uh, battery and it, it, you know, it left the bike run for between four and five hours. Uh, you know, and it comes in two versions. So both as a scooter or a motorcycle in Europe where top speeds are, you know, 65 miles per hour. While the moped is like 45 k's, uh, 30 miles per hour, I guess. In, in, in I'm bad with the, the American measure, sorry. Uh, and the thing is that this one is, is built like the, this beam, central beam, is actually part of the construction, but it's also the device that holds this multi uh, utility kind of clamp on system. So this clamp. Very modular. Uh, fits a number of different, you know, so there are thousands of combinations. So there's, you know, there, there's stands to, to, to take your mountain bike. You, you can, you know, again, you, you, I, I, you know, just to mention a few, there are these different baskets, there are bags with it, there are racks to hang your surfboards, there are racks to hang smaller stuff that if you'd be a carpenter bringing, you know, uh, garden, garden tools and whatever it might be, and tons of things. So yeah. in that sense, you have a need, you need to transport yourself from point A to point B, whether it's highways or off-road or whatever it might be, we'll get you there clean, silent, safely, and without polluting. So Very cool. Yeah. Okay, so you've got these four great models. I heard, just to recap, I heard um, uh, we landed on the moped, which was the um, kind of the, the last one we talked about. And what is the price point of that uh, vehicle? So these are, these are, these are some the, the next platform. They're between six and a half and nine and a half uh, thousand uh, dollars. The, the other ones there, the, the off-road one is, is at 13 and, and the uh, street certified one is 14,000 bucks. There you go. Okay, so uh, you know, achievable. You can people can buy these. Are they available in the American marketplace today? Yes, we've been delivering these in America since March. The Ofro one, this new one, the, the transportation-oriented uh, version, starts delivering from the uh, by the end of March. Okay, sounds good. Now I have to ask because we're uh, solar guys. How do you charge these? What kind of ports do you use? That's the most beautiful thing, and I'm I'm amazed that media has not you know picked it up. We have, since the start, uh, served or, or offered the market a solar panel solution. 
and it's amazing. If you understand, especially how these performance machines actually perform, that uh, with two standard size solar panels, you can charge this these bikes without never ever sapping the grid or buying a single kilowatt hour, uh, just you know from the sun, which is amazing. Drive on sun, ride on sunshine. Yeah, yeah, ride on sunshine. It's it's actually happening, and and you know if we be car company, we'd be needing 55 panels. But again, due to the power weight ratio and the fact that it's so light and the performance that we've been able to infuse into these machines, you can actually with two solar panels, even in Sweden. Uh, charge them enough to on a daily basis to never ever <laughs> that's pretty amazing even in Sweden because you're talking about peak sun and a lower sun zone right very cool so uh, is that a is someone playing around with a one of the the attachments as you, for a solar panel or something or do you have a charging port or a, a battery charger option or we have, a, we have a concept right now where we actually do sell these solar panels with the power station it's on our website but uh, of course, the dream is for us to be able to have a portable solution so we can actually fold something out. And, but I, I think it's, it's potentially, two, I'd say, guessing, two or three years away. Gotcha. Well, very exciting. Uh, you know, it's the most robust offering I've seen in the uh, electrified uh, motorcycle uh, space yet. And it looks like something I would enjoy riding. Uh, hopefully we get a chance to try it in Maui soon. Maybe you'll come and do a demonstration at the Hawaii Energy Conference in a couple of months. That's an idea. An invitation for that, actually. I, I think that, that, to me, I think that um, Hawaii is, uh, for many reasons, uh, a place where we need to be. And... Uh, the sooner the better, and I'd say that uh, if you call for us, we'll be there soon. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. All right, well, that's just right around the corner. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to see Cake. Uh, thanks to Garen for holding the, the phone and getting us some good video, and thank you, Stefan. Jutterborn? Uh, yeah, good enough. All right, get close to that. Great All right, aloha. Aloha. Pretty cool guy, uh, Stefan. He, uh, you know, he has a this technology. It's modular in nature, and it's definitely something that looks like it could be a utilitarian kind of get from point A to point B at a device, but also, you know, you mentioned the, the the possibility of integrating a solar panel and because of the power to weight ratio, it really not having to plug it in. Like that's possible with that kind of a system right there. It was pretty rad. Yeah. yeah, their web their website is a lot of fun. I mean, there's a guy sitting there, like literally holding the thing above his head. It, it's very much straddles the line between like a pedal bicycle and a real motorcycle. You think think like the old the old Indians with a little little um, single single cylinder right. motor on it, but it's a, but it's all electric. And they have they have pictures here like they're guy popping a wheelie right next to a horse running down the beach. I mean, you wouldn't be able to do that with an internal combustion engine. <laughs> freak the horse out um but all all the folks that tool around on um dirt bikes on on the, the, the motocross bikes on on maui i i very much see this as a, a a real competitor to uh to to what they're they're doing now and they could they could ride all electric yeah and they're winning races with these bikes against internal combustion bikes right well, i'm so, sure the power to weight ratio is off the charts well, of course you know? of course <laughs> and and then yeah, yeah. The, you got the power to weight and especially weight when you're riding I grew up riding dirt bikes and stuff, and I still have a Honda XR650. But uh, yeah, that thing would be a blast. <laughs> yeah, heck yeah. Okay, so that was Cake, and then uh, we also have this uh, interview with a company called Ingenuity, and uh, we're going to hear from them in a sec. But basically, you're looking at these super, like, hyper efficient little engines that are natural gas powered or propane powered that are charging a battery and providing energy resilience, which is pretty amazing something that was kind of off my radar like it's, it's it's the opposite direction almost you know so here we go all right so i'm here with uh steve niswander did i pronounce that correctly nice wander nice wander got it got it uh here at um the sands uh convention uh hall and we're looking at this product called ingenuity uh really interesting and in relationship to the you know the the residential uh energy market just finished describing to me your technology got some really exciting stuff in here why don't you give us an overview sure sure thanks josh so what we do here is we actually have our patented uh, technology inside which is our combustion engine that we configure to run on natural gas and so it runs on natural gas we capture all the heat energy from that engine we push it into a water vessel and we make your hot water for your home but at the same time we're making electricity for your home and then we also attach a heat pump compressor to it and we can make the AC for the home, turning the heat pump compressor mechanically. And so currently in testing, we're over 94% efficiency, and we're looking to do pilot programs around the country with uh, uh, utilities. 
Yeah, so pretty interesting approach. Uh, you're getting air conditioning, you're getting cooling, you're getting DHW, domestic hot water, you're getting electricity gen all from one source. Uh, and you mentioned some potential um, augmentations and new ideas of ways to further get even more uh, electricity out of it, right? Which is also quite interesting. So uh, it's it, it, never seen it before. Uh, super cool to see new uh, energy technology on the floor. Um, how did you come about developing this tech and what are some of the special kind of innovation points that you had to go through? Sure, sure. So we, we're engine guys, we invented an engine and we come, came up with it and came with a super efficient engine and we're trying to figure the best use case for the engine. It's very hard to make a small one uh, very efficient and so the engine is 500cc engine that is probably as efficient as an engine that would be much larger in that. And so, and it's almost vibration free. So what kind of environment could you put that in? So we decided we could put it in a high-end appliance, put it right in the home, replace the hot water heater, and do those, and exhibit those characteristics. So um, it was, uh, we had actually gotten information from NRAIL, the uh, North American Energy Renewable Energy Lab in Golden, that uh, they thought power systems would be in everybody's home, supplementing, supplemented by solar and battery technology. So we think of our product as a piece of the puzzle, the solution. So you have solar, you have a battery, you have our unit to supplement, to keep the battery charged up when the solar can't go or the wind is not adequate to charge it. It's really, it's really interesting from my perspective because you know, right now we're exploring power generation through photovoltaic. Of course, solar thermal typically is what we have in Hawaii for uh, our solar hot water needs. Uh, and then of course there's backup on our solar hot water systems that tends to be electric or gas. Uh, now we're integrating um, battery systems as a necessity because we're in a post-NEM environment where we can't backfeed on a, a reliable basis with the utility anymore for new systems. So batteries are integrated. And then part of the next piece of the conversation that people aren't, are a little bit surprised about is the generator piece of the conversation. So now organizations like Generac, for example, recently acquired HICA, uh, which is a, uh, a PV plus battery system, really sophisticated system. But we're looking at the integration of generators to the system as a, as a standard to be able to keep the batteries high. So in a sense, there's a there's a similar type of relationship. You're, I mean, you're, that battery is always going to be charged because you have natural gas and you have a, 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 a an engine in here, basically creating electricity. Correct. Correct. And so. Solar, if it works, your PV, if that works, that's great. But the time it isn't working, why not run this system? Also supplement the hot water, if you're making your hot water with solar, use, use this, this fills that in. So if that's working, no problem. If not, this can solve all the problems. And I would suspect, uh, you said you had 94% efficiency in the engine, which is pretty high for an engine of that size. And then, so I would suspect that you've got uh, pretty good uh, uh, reliability in grid outage scenarios too, so you got real good resiliency. Sure, no, so we've, uh, we've actually tested this and built this engine to run for 40,000 hours. We've had more than tripled the oil supply. It's about a 2,000 hour between uh, uh, service schedule on this thing. And so it's also app enabled so that your service provider who looks at the thing every year or so can actually get alerts if there's going to be something that needs to be um, looked at. This is uh, kind of one of the main reasons I think that I came to CES is to find uh, technology that might be coming from a slightly different direction that's fulfilling a similar goal to the renewable energy industry that we live in. So it's this crossover of industries that I find really fascinating and this is a perfect example of that. Uh, really uh, glad to know about your product and, and that we know some similar people in the space. and. Uh, yeah, is there anything else that we should be thinking about uh, before we wrap this up? Any new advances or ideas for the future? Well, the next project we're going to try to tackle is uh, range extenders for electric cars. Uh, oh, check that out. So you'll have uh, like, a, a, like a, a retrofittable technology to put into an electric car that gives you uh, more range that you ha can have on board? Yep, and it can run off of compressed natural gas or, or uh, propane or gasoline too. Interesting. Once again, perfect example of uh, these industries kind of uh, coming at, at similar solutions from different angles. I really like it. It's great to know you, Steve. Uh, wish you luck and uh, let's keep in touch. There's Steve from Ingenuity Power Systems. You can check him out, ingenuitypowersystems.com. Kind of something that came out of the blue. Wasn't expecting this. What say you, fellas? Jay. Oh, I thought it was really, really interesting how... Um, 
his phrasing was that that solar is, is the supplementary power, and this right? is going to be your 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 major. Um, I mean, it, which which is which? I just, it's on their, I'm on their website right now, and it says it only has to turn on for a couple hours a day to generate all the ele- the energy you're going to need. Well, that means you obviously have some kind of storage on site as well. So this is in addition to a solar and storage kind of kind of facility in my mind, and and it's it's. It's kind of one and the same. It's kind of like saying, hey, we're solar, we're into solar, and we're putting in batteries, and then, by the way, it makes sense to have a generator because you can run that generator quickly and recharge the batteries whenever solar is is not doing the job you think it's going to do, right? That's kind of our, our the way we look at the situation. And then this is like, well, yeah, hey, you're going to have a little engine that can always charge batteries, and you can use that super efficiently for meeting loads in your home. And by the way, if you import some solar, it'll, it'll limit the amount of fuel you spend or something. It's like just the opposite direction of the same thing, no? It, it it is it is but it isn't. I mean, I, I just I just like I thought that really caught me out how he how he phrased it as solar as the supplementary and you, this is going to be your energy generator yeah. essentially, which means you're still running on a generator all the time, which is not where we want to be. Well, so. not all the time because this this does, does, does come with batteries, right? It's a battery based system. Okay. Yeah. So you yeah. you know the idea of being able to you know, you're not using a generator to meet small loads, which we know is super inefficient, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. And then of course they're talking about the backup system for the electric electric vehicle. <laughs> That's great. It's like a they're, gas tank. They're, they're range extended. They're range extended. So we, that, that gives us our segue to Tesla, Jay. Go to town, buddy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So Tesla, Tesla's got a few things going on. Obviously, they're, they're trying to gear up for their solar roof, uh, but they keep getting caught with, um, with issues from their car. And this one is related to the autopilot features, right? Um, you can buy into the autopilot. It does not drive itself yet. It simply like keeps you in a lane or something like that. It helps you. Um, I don't know. If, I honestly don't know how good it is because it gives you the excuse to kind of nod off <coughs> pardon, and not pay attention. Mm. Um, but a, a gentleman bought a Tesla used um, from a um, from a, a, an auction, apparently, and they bought it with certain features enabled and then Tesla just turned off the features because apparently you have to pay extra for this autopilot. Um, so so this is this is a really frustrating thing that they can basically just shut off your uh, the, the features you've paid for when you when you sell your car. Now this isn't something you could do before. If you bought the super cool rims or the roof rack or it's something crazy. on your truck and then and then you put it on Craigslist and you sell it to somebody, well those rims and that that roof rack are going with it, right? But, but so when they when this, this is, is them, like a literally compu- listing it it's like if you were to buy a computer yep. and think you're going to get the OS with it, right? And then it's it's a, that and it also kind of introduces this idea of a subscription in my mind, right? Of course, we know that the the EV yeah. uh, business could move towards subscription, so maybe he's starting to kind of like seed that a little bit and say, hey, no, 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 that software was for the original buyer. I mean, I wonder what the contracts look like if it actually it probably says it in there somewhere. And then you know now you've got this uh, situation where this actually affects me because I'm sitting there looking around at old Model S's, like maybe there's an opportunity here. This could be great value. Am I going to be able to get the features that are on it or not or is it just going to become like this who knows what happens i mean how do you figure this stuff out it, it, oh, are, are, but are they trying are they trying to double charge for it is the question i mean they, they, according to the website that these features are about eight thousand dollars to the bottom line of the car so it's not an insignificant amount of money and it, it kind of breaks some trust because when you buy something you buy it to get it and right. to have it removed after yeah. the fact is it's it's got to be a what little a concerning. What a bold move! What a bold move! And I, I really uh, want to see if this becomes like standard. <laughs> bold is not the yeah, word. I would yeah, use. Yeah. Jay, yeah, bold isn't the first word I would use. <laughs> oh, it starts. It starts. It starts with a B, though. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, very good. So, hey, hey folks, uh, this has been the Solar Coaster. We are sponsored by uh, Fairwinds Wealth Management, Enduro Shield, Perfectly Clear Glass, Sundrum Solar, Pantech Design, a bunch of other great companies. Thank you very much uh, for tuning in to our show today. The last of the CES uh, coverage, uh, CES twenty. In Vegas, have a, a wonderful weekend uh, and have Aloha Friday. Do check the website www.solar-coaster.com. 